Go to First Timothy chapter six tonight. First Timothy chapter six. Boy, that this message I believe is so important and that I mean I wish I could preach this message to the whole uh, whole town and because uh, it it's needed. And I, I'm going to see a, I, I don't know I might see a bunch of people that are going to need this message uh, on Friday if I go out and I do any shopping uh, this Thanksgiving. Um, I will see a lot of people that desperately need this message. And we are right now going into time of year. In fact, we're already there where, you know, it's really bothering me. It, it just really is bugging me how early they're doing this Christmas stuff. And it bugs me because I know why they're doing it. I see right through it. It's because the earlier they can get the Christmas season started, the earlier people will start spending money. And Christmas is a huge thing now. Because you know, advertise because of advertising, and because of these companies and things wanting you to spend all your money. And you know, it used to be they waited until after Thanksgiving to do all this. And then here, a couple of years ago, they started opening stuff on Thanksgiving. And now they can't even wait for Thanksgiving. They're so stinking greedy that I mean, already there's Christmas stuff going on. We got held up on the bridge the other night. They were doing that Christmas walk thing or something here in town. I don't know what it was exactly, but I'm like, it's not even Thanksgiving yet. Thanksgiving's next week and already doing Christmas stuff in town. And and I'm listen up. If people wanted to start getting excited about Christmas and talking about Jesus' birth, you know, this early, hey, that's fine. But it has nothing to do with that. It's all about finances and getting you to spend your money. And we're already being bombarded with the holiday advertisements and commercials. And they're going to get you wanting stuff. And you know, it's sad because people are so greedy these days when it comes to things. You know, we you know, sometimes we'll get called. I got a call one time uh, from somebody that was wanting help from the church to buy his kids Christmas presents. But here's the thing: his he had three teenagers. Well, you know what teenagers want these days? You know, they want iPads and iPhones and you know PS4s and all. all that stuff that costs, I mean, I could have given that guy $500 and his kids would have felt like they had a terrible Christmas. I mean, that's just, that's the world that we live in today. And, you know, didn't have the ability to even make one of those, you know, one teenager happy if they're an average teenager. I don't, I don't know they were, but just assuming, assuming that they are. But I want us to read a chapter in 1 Timothy chapter 6. I want to show you some things tonight that will hopefully help you out. And hopefully we'll help you understand other people and kind of what is going on in their head and what they're doing. The Bible exposes everything. It makes things very clear. And so let's look at 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 1. It says, Let as many servants as are under the yoke count their masters worthy of all honor. If you work a job, okay, you're under the yoke. Alright? And your master, we don't call him master, but your boss, your manager, uh, this applies, okay? And we're supposed to Honor them. That the name of God and His doctrine be not blasphemed. Okay, so notice what it's talking about here. You know, if you're under the yoke, be good to your masters. And they that have believing masters, let them not despise them because they are brethren, but rather do them service because they are faithful and beloved partakers of the benefit these things teach and exhort. Sometimes people, if they have a saved boss, they feel like they can take advantage of him because he's a brother in Christ. I know a fellow, he started a business years ago 
It's a very successful business now. When he started it, almost everybody that worked in that business was from his church. And he said it got really difficult because you know every time there was any church thing going on, all his employees would disappear. You know, and they all wanted off for that same thing. And you know, he went to the same church, and it was really difficult because you know, and it was kind of expected from him to let them do whatever because he went to the same church, and it really, it really made it difficult. And sometimes Christians will do that if they work for another Christian. They'll take advantage of that fact, and we shouldn't do that. But then it says, if any man teach otherwise and consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which is according to godliness, he is proud, knowing nothing, but doting about questions and strifes of words, whereof cometh envy, strife, railings, evil surmisings, perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of truth, supposing that gain is godliness, from such withdraw thyself. Alright? Some people think that gain is godliness. Well, that person got a lot of money. They must be right with God. They must be doing, uh, you know, God must be pleased with their life. And it says right there, you know, don't think that. That's not the case. And then this is our text verse tonight in verse 6. But godliness with contentment is great gain. Godliness with contentment is great gain. This time of year is when people are the least content out of all the year, and we're not doing too good the rest of the year either. And it really gets bad this year when it comes to contentment. And then note, and we ought to be content. Notice in verse seven, it kind of gives us an idea why. Because for we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. You came into this world with nothing. You're going to leave this world with nothing. And so it says, in having food and raiment, let us be there with content. Food and raiment. Okay, everybody in here is wearing clothes today. All right, doesn't look like anybody's starving to death. We should be content. Okay, but that's easier said than done, isn't it? And then notice it says, "But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money." is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and meekness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. So a great passage of Scripture here about in that key verse, godliness with contentment, is great gain. If you have godliness with contentment, I mean, you're doing better off than most of the rich. Amen. And I mean, you're doing you're doing better off than most of the world if you just have that. And I know these things here that we're talking about, they're very easily said, but not always easily done or understood. And But really, what is so great about godliness with contentment? Why is that so great? Because here's the thing, anybody can be godly and anybody can be content. Really, anybody can be godly. Anybody can be content. But why is it that most people would prefer riches over godliness with contentment? Well, first off, just let's, we're going to try to think a little bit here. But notice that I mean, really, really, what are the things that everybody wants 
that everybody's looking for. Now, most people, if you ask them, and you you know, if they're complaining and talking about their financial woes and things, and talking about how they don't know how to make it through the holidays and all that, you know, most of these people, when you if you talk to them and you, you rebuke them, even say, you know, I'm not, I don't want to be rich. I'm not going to be a millionaire. I just want to have. I want to know that I'm going to have enough to eat. I want financial security. Doesn't now? That's not what everybody really wants. I mean, they they just want financial security. They don't want to have to worry about if they're going to pay, be able to pay their bills, if they're going to get thrown out of their house, if they're going to starve to death. They want financial security. People want to know that they've got enough to eat. They want to know that they they're going to have clothes to wear. You know, I mean, you got six kids and they're all growing all the time, and they you know wear all their clothes out, and I mean, it's it gets expensive buying all that stuff. You know, they want people want secure futures. They want to know that when they get older, you know, they're going to be taken care of and they're not going to, you know, starve to death to be, you know, sent out in the cold. You know, I talked about a while back in some countries, I think it was in India, that there's like these certain rivers where when the parents get so old and stuff, they'll just take them and leave them there at the river. They just leave them there, abandon their parents. And you know, thank God that's not going on in this country uh, that bad. But you know, people worry about that, and they want to know. I, I want, I want to have that nest egg. You know, it's not because I want to be rich. It's not because I'm greedy. I just want financial security. But you know, at the same time, too, we want those things. But let's just admit it: we would like to have some nice things, wouldn't we? I mean, we want to have. We'd like. We like to take vacations. Okay, and nothing wrong with that. It's great to be able to go on a trip and have fun and make some great memories. You know, we want a nice home. You know, we want cars that run that aren't going to break down and you know that look halfway decent. You know, that's not unreasonable, is it, for us to to want those things? And we can go on. We do. We want the nice things, even if they're not necessarily things we have to have to survive. But we want those nice things. And also, I think we all want to feel safe. We want we want to feel safe. You know, we we don't want to live in an area you know where we're worried we're going to get you know kids are going to get shot if they play outside. We don't want that. You know, we want to have maybe things that you know secure homes. You know, you want to have plenty of firearms and things. You know, just in case you need it. You know, you want those things that can get expensive. But really, to sum it all up, people just they don't want to worry. And that's really what they're saying. They don't want to worry, but. What is it that people always go after to remove that worry? They pursue riches. Alright? It's the pursuit of riches. They think if I had enough money for all these things, then I wouldn't have to worry. If I had that nest egg, I wouldn't have to worry about when I get old. I wouldn't have to worry, are my kids going to have enough to eat? Are they going to have clothes to wear? If I just had money, we think riches will remove all that worry. But what does the pursuit of riches bring? Well, we read it in verse 10. It says, For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. That pursuit of riches, that pursuit of money, and I'm not talking about you know, the pursuit of providing for your family. We're commanded, you know, you know, fathers, we're commanded to provide for our families. We ought to do that. But that pursuit of riches... To, you know, to be able to get all those extra things and not have anything to worry about, that gets people in trouble all the time. Listen, there's nothing wrong with you wanting to make a decent amount of money, but you know we ought, we need to always make sure we prioritize. And if it's something that's going to take you completely out of the will of God, then forget how much you're making on that. Don't you know? Don't go after that. If 
If there's if you can switch to another job making twice as much money and it'll keep you in the will of God, then go for it. I mean, by all means, do that. That's fine. But that but if your goal is riches, Bible says it drowns people in many sorrows. Well, and what does sorrow bring? Well, sorrow brings. Well, I'll go to Proverbs chapter twenty-three, and, we'll, and I'll show you what, what sorrow what sorrow does, and what sorrow always brings with it. Because what we're about to read here is very common amongst rich people. I mean, rich people and, I, and poor people struggle with this too. But I think one of the reasons poor people struggle with this so much is because they're pursuing those riches and it's not going good. But the same thing, the people who it is going good for have the same problem. But look at what sorrow. Brings uh, Proverbs twenty three verse twenty nine. Who hath woe? Who hath sorrow? Okay. Who hath contentions? Who hath babbling without wound? Uh, who hath babbling? Who hath wounds without cause? Who hath redness of eyes? They that tarry long at the wine. They that go to seek mixed wine. Look not thou upon the wine when it is red, when it giveth its color in the cup, when it moveth itself aright. At the last it biteth like a serpent and stingeth like an adder. Thine eyes shall behold strange women, and thine heart shall utter perverse things. Yea, thou shalt be as he that lieth down in the midst of the sea, or as he that lieth upon the top of a mast. They have stricken me, shalt thou say, and I was not sick. They have beat me, and I felt it not. When shall I awake? I will seek it yet again. Do you know why alcohol is as popular as it is today? It's because there's a lot of sorrow in people's lives. That's why Friday night, big thing, people are going to go to the bar. They want to get drunk. They want to forget about their sorrow for a little while. You know why they're selling alcohol now in all the gas stations around here in town? Because we got a lot of sorrow in this town. And what brings that sorrow many times? It's the pursuit of riches. And what's funny is that drinking takes away a lot of riches you could have. It gets it gets really expensive. People spend a lot of money in the bars. Drugs, same thing. People spend a lot of money on that stuff. Why? To forget their sorrow. And the Bible says that sorrow comes from that pursuit of riches. And that's why you even have millionaires today that are literally, I mean, they're alcoholics, drug addicts. You hear about them dying of overdoses and things and just being addicted to stuff. Why? Because that's what the pursuit of riches does. It brings sorrow. And who has sorrow? People that are involved in this stuff. That's why, that's why they're doing the alcohol. That's why they do the drugs. Because of the sorrow, because of the misery in their life. And I believe the pursuit of riches, riches is what often brings it. But not only that, uh, so, the pursuit of riches brings sorrow. Sorrow brings the need for the alcohol and drugs and all these things. And then the alcohol and drugs and the sorrow, they cause physical, mental, and even family problems. Go to Proverbs chapter 6 and verse 20. Proverbs chapter 6 and verse 20. It says, My son, keep thy father's commandment and forsake not the law of thy mother. Bind them continually upon thine heart. Tie them about thy neck. When thou goest, it shall lead thee. When thou sleepest, it shall keep thee. When thou awakest, it shall talk with thee. For the commandment is a lamp, and the law is a light. Reproofs of instruction are the way of life to keep thee from the evil woman, from the flattery of the tongue of the strange woman. What does the Bible say happens when, in that last verse, when you drink the wine? Thine eyes shall behold strange women. And notice it says... Keeping the commandments of God, it will keep you from the strange woman. It says, Lust not after her beauty, 
in thine heart, neither let her take thee with her eyelids. For by means of a whorish woman, a man is brought to a piece of bread, and the adulteress will hunt for the precious life. Can a man take fire in his bosom, and his clothes be not burned? Can one go upon hot coals, and his feet be not burned? So he that goeth to his neighbor's wife, whosoever toucheth her, shall not be innocent. Men do not despise a thief if he steal to satisfy his soul when he is hungry. But if he be found, he shall restore sevenfold. He shall give all the substance of his house. But whosoever committeth adultery with a woman lacketh understanding. He that doeth it destroyeth his own soul. A wound and dishonor shall he get, and his reproach shall not be wiped away, for jealousy is the rage of a man. Therefore, he will not spare in the day of vengeance. He will not regard any ransom, neither when he rest content, though thou givest many gifts. So right there we see what happens when you get caught up in a strange woman. That comes from you know the alcohol and things. That's why it is very common, you know, for the beer commercials and things to usually have strange women on those commercials. What those things they just go together, these things all fit. You go pursuing after riches, you're gonna have sorrow, you have sorrow, you're gonna go after the alcohol, you're gonna have to go after those things. If you have those things in your life, you're gonna behold strange women, you're gonna fall prey to those things, it will destroy you. It will destroy your family. It will destroy your it will destroy your reputation. And you know what? But yet people do it over and over again. But here's the thing: nobody pursues riches so they can have sorrow, do they? Nobody pursues riches thinking, you know, I'd like to be rich because if I was rich, I could have all the money I could possibly need for drugs and for alcohol and cigarettes. I would have all the money I would need. That's not what people are wanting. That's not what they're going after. Yet that pursuit of it always leads them to the purchasing of all those things. They don't pursue riches thinking, you know, if I pursue riches, I'm going to be so caught up in that, I won't be focused on my family at all. I'll probably, uh, you know, lose my, I'll probably divorce my wife. Uh, my kids are going to hate me. I'll be a crummy father. They're going to get in all kinds of trouble. Nobody plans on that, but yet it happens all the time, doesn't it? I mean, all the time, fathers, they will, I mean, sacrifice their families for maybe a couple extra bucks an hour. They're not able to go to church with them anymore. They're not able to spend any time with their wife and kids anymore, and their families will be destroyed. Why? For the pursuit of riches. And it only brings them sorrow and all these other things. So, since nobody's going after this, why is it that they all end up in that same place? Why is it that people keep on pursuing riches? And very simply, it's because riches are deceitful. Now, go to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. Now, I want to teach you a great truth here that's going to help you see through a lot of phoniness that's out there. I mean, a lot of phoniness. Because, you know, it's it's sad what people are being fooled by these days, and a lot of it's because if they knew the scriptures on these things, they'd be able to see through it. But the Bible says in Matthew thirteen verse twenty, but he that receives seed in the stony places, the same as he that heareth the word, and anon with joy receiveth it, yet hath he not root in himself, but dureth for a while, for when tribulation or persecution ariseth because of the word by and by, he is offended. He also that receives seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word. And the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becometh unfruitful. Riches is deceitful, isn't it? Remember, Satan, he tried to use riches to deceive Jesus, didn't he? To tempt Jesus. All these kingdoms that I give you, 
If you bow and worship me, he tried riches with Jesus. Why did he try that with Jesus? Well, it worked with everybody else he ever tried. It didn't work with Jesus, but it does for everybody else because riches are deceitful. Those big fancy houses and fancy cars, they send an image and that idea to our mind that is totally false. And you know what? Deep down, we all know it. And proof of that, that to illustrate this, when I was reading this, I got to thinking about, you know, most, think about what people usually post on Facebook and Twitter. Alright? Now, this is, you know, it's, I don't know. I mean, I don't, I'm not on Facebook. Occasionally I'll go and I'll see what folks are saying on Twitter. And boy, it's amazing just how little diversity of opinion there is out there and just how much people are alike and just pretty much copy off each other. But you know, and maybe these are just people I look at. Most of them uh, that I looked at, you know, these are other Baptist preachers I know that I affectionately refer to as twit heads uh, that are always uh, putting this stuff on there. But you know what people like to post on all the time? And maybe if you follow this, you see the same thing too. They like putting pictures of the nice things they bought, don't they? You know, when they get a new car, they like taking pictures of those things. You know, maybe that new outfit or, you know, some uh, fancy gift that they got. They like putting all the pictures on there of maybe some neat places that they visited. If they're going to have a family picture or something on the main page, it's usually at some amazing location that they went to on a vacation at one time. They like, people like putting pictures of them at different fancy restaurants that they eat at. People, the guys I know, they're always posting pictures of food that they eat. And, the food that they always want to take pictures of, it's fancy food. You know, maybe a nice steak dinner or something. You know, nobody ever posts a picture of them eating oatmeal on there. Nobody does anything like that. They don't, they don't post a picture of, you know, a bowl of Lucky Charms that they're eating. Why is it they only post the pictures of the fancy meals that they eat at? Why don't, you know, people, you know, especially these, okay, they're preachers, they're supposed to be spiritual, alright? You know, they like to post that picture of them thanking God for that new car they got, but why didn't they post a picture of them thanking God for the old one that they had? Why is it that it, you know, why is it always things like, you know, the vacations, the possessions, the fancy food? Why is it, you know, why is it, and all these pictures, everybody always smiling. Okay, now so why wouldn't you smile? But let, let's just admit it. We've all got pictures, family pictures, where we're all smiling, but we were fighting just five seconds before. You all smile right now, you know, and then we all smile and we look happy. And really, what are these people trying to do? They're trying to look like they're happy. And what do they? And what do they use to prove they're happy? Riches, the vacations, the fancy food, the fancy you know the gifts and possessions that they have because people know even if they haven't admitted it and they don't verbalize it, riches are deceitful and they are trying to deceive you on those things and look like these wonderful happy people that just have the happiest family and the greatest lives and they all pick those same things to take pictures of because. If, when people see that, wow, they're on vacation. Wow, they got a new car. Wow, they got. They don't take pictures of their bills. I know a guy that posts pictures of checks that he gets with the, with the side business that he has. He takes pictures of the checks and he posts them on Twitter. What's he trying? What do you think he's trying to project right there? 
Hey, look at how successful I am. Nobody does it. Nobody does it. The bills. Nobody does it of a you know late notice or a final notice. You know, on something like that. You know, nobody takes a picture of them repoing their car whenever you know they're coming to get it because they couldn't pay it. Why? Because they're trying to project happiness and they use riches to deceive. Because riches are deceitful. And a lot of times, if you know these people and you know them well, you know they're not near as happy as they look online. You know they're not near as happy as they look in the pictures, but riches helps give the appearance of happiness and they, they're going to use that to deceive. Because riches are deceitful. Whenever you see those commercials you know, of some kid playing his new game system, he's not... You know, living in a dump. You know, he's living in a nice, clean house. You know, he doesn't have parents in the background that, you know, that look like drunks that beat their kid or something. You know, it's always these nice looking, just happy, smiley people. You know, that way you're thinking, man, you know, we would have that much happiness if we had that, you know, if we had the Xbox or whatever in our house. And we, we fall for that stuff. You see the people driving those cars. You know, always nice looking, happy looking people. But they're trying to project something there and they're using riches. Maybe you think you've got to have this car, you know, it costs $40,000 when you could have one that will get you around just as good for $4,000. But, but you know what? You're going to project something completely different to everybody around you if you're driving the $40,000 car. Wow, he must really be successful. Wow, they must really be happy. And the truth is, many of these people you know they you know, they'll they'll take the picture of them all excited about that new car, but they don't show you the picture a few months later where they're crying, thinking, "How are we going to pay this car payment this month?" When six years later they're still making car payments on it, and the car is scratched up, dented up, and they don't care about it anymore. You know, it's it's all it's all deceptive, and you know, in a sense, we all do that sometimes. We buy things that we can't really afford because we want to project. Something different to people because riches are deceptive. They are very deceitful. And the the appearance of riches gives the appearance of happiness. But the truth is that everything that everyone is actually looking for and everything wants, it can be found by godliness with contentment. Okay? And if you if you believe the Bible, you will see that if you have godliness with contentment, you can have everything that everybody's looking for. Now, does that mean? Am I saying you're going to get to go to Disney World every year? Am I saying you're going to get to drive the forty thousand dollar car? I'm not saying that, but I'm going to say you're going to get what everybody's looking for because you know those people who bought that forty thousand dollar car, they didn't get what they were looking for. They didn't get what they were looking for, and. So we think they did. You know, when they got, you know, those people that moved into that big fancy house, you know, they didn't get what they were looking for many times. We think they did. But if you really know them and if they were to be truthful, you'd find out that they didn't. But what they were actually looking for and what you're actually looking for, whether you know it or not, it comes through godliness with contentment. And I'll show you why from the scripture. So, first off, if you practice godliness, you're not going to be focused on the things of the world. First John chapter 2.15 says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. 
For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lusts thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. You don't want to know why you don't think godliness is that big of a deal and it's going to make you that happy? Because how many in here has ever watched a commercial before showing how happy you'll be if you'll just be godly? Nobody makes those commercials. You know why? Because nobody can make money off of you being godly. In fact, most businesses would probably lose money if you were godly. Because you're not going to be as foolish with your money. And we believe everything we see on TV and on commercials. But the truth is, if you're godly, you understand the things of this world are temporary. That $40,000 car will one day be in the junkyard. I could invest that money in far greater things. I could give it to missions. I could be a blessing to others that would have eternal rewards that I could enjoy throughout eternity. And so, you're not going to get caught up in that. You're not even going to, you're not even going to want that. Listen, I mean, I wouldn't mind a nice, you know, nicer vehicle than what I have, but at the same time, I don't know if I would want a brand new vehicle. And here's why. Because, one, I have to pay the insurance on it. But even if you, you know, if you gave me a brand new vehicle, I'd take it. But at the same time, if I had a brand new vehicle, I got six kids that make a lot of messes. I'm not going to enjoy that vehicle very much because I'm going to be panicking all the time, especially in the wintertime when they're tracking in there, when they're making messes and spilling stuff, and it's just going to stress me out. But you know what? When you're driving around a cheap vehicle that you don't owe any money on, that's not that great, oh well. Not a big deal. Kids just told me the other day that they were talking about one time when dad was driving my van, how I spilled the tea and like all spilled away to the back and stuff. And when they told me about that, I didn't get upset. Because uh, it's van you have now, Brother Lonnie. You know, it's like and you, there were stains all over that van already. We spilled everything in, in there. It didn't hurt anything, but if it had been brand new, I'd have had a heart attack. Because the truth is, those things just really bring more misery than happiness sometimes. But if you are godly, you're not focused on the things of the world. And so those commercials, they're not going to get to you. They're not going to bother you. You probably won't even see them to begin with. You're not going to get caught up in all those things. And if you don't, if you don't get caught up in those things, then, you know, you realize, I'm not missing out on anything. Okay, so I don't have the latest and greatest, you know, cell phone. I don't have all these things that, you know, they're telling me I need to have and that I deserve on the commercials, but I don't need them. They're not that important to me. I've got other things that I'm focused on, and if you're godly, if you are godly, that will be the case. We sometimes need to admit that, you know, we have a problem with worldliness and the things of the world, and that's why we struggle to follow this. So if you practice godliness, you're not focused on the things of the world. If you have contentment, you're not interested in keeping up with the Smiths and Joneses. You're not, you're not interested in that. And that removes a great deal of pressure from your life, and it removes a great deal of financial mistakes that will cause even more pressure. First Timothy chapter six and verse nine. I left I left that passage. Let me go back there and read a verse to you. First Timothy chapter six and verse nine says, But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish foolish and hurtful lusts which drown them in the destruction and perdition. Many of those financial mistakes that we make, those foolish financial mistakes that get us in trouble, that cause a great deal of stress and heartache in our life, it was because we were trying to keep up with the Smiths and Joneses and if we'd have just been content with what we had, we would not have made that mistake. If we'd have been, if you'd have just been, if you, you know, said, 
Now, I understand there's things we have to have. You know, you need to have transportation. You need to have clothes and things. But a lot of times, when we're out looking for you know better of these things, we don't really need it. We just want it. And we've all been there before where we made those big financial mistakes that cost us dearly, that brought a great deal of stress. And if we'd have just been content with what we had, we wouldn't have been looking. And therefore, we would have been fine. So if you have contentment, you're not interested in, in all that. If you practice godliness... And here's where faith, faith's always going to be thrown in there somewhere, folks. I'm sorry, but without faith, it's impossible to please Him. You're always going to have to have some faith somewhere. But like I said, everything that we want, and that's that financial security, all that, it can be found with godliness, with contentment. So, if you practice godliness, necessities will be taken care of. It says Psalm thirty seven twenty five, I have been young and am now old, yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. Okay? Talking about the righteous there. Okay, it's not talking about just you know anybody that says they're a Christian. It's talking about the righteous, okay, if you're doing right, if you are following the word of God, if you're following the commandments of God, you are not going to starve to death. It's just, it's not going to happen. Well, it seems like it's going to. Well, you're going to have to have a little bit of faith. I'm sorry, faith is, and you know, that's a lot of times why we want that big, huge bank account, so we won't need faith. But God wants us to have faith. And we need, we need to have faith. We're not, you're not going to please God if worry leaves your life after you win a million dollars. You're going to please God if you're not worried when you're broke. And that's the way that we ought to be, and if you're godly, you're fine. Your needs are going to be taken care of. My, but my God shall supply all your need according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Okay, so how's He going to do it? I have no idea. You're going to have to have some faith. So I wish I could tell you a path to this without faith, but there isn't one. We've got. You're going to have to have faith somewhere. But also, if you have if you have godliness with contentment. You'll even have the other things that bring happiness, only you're going to enjoy them more. So I get the I get the vacations, I get I get the fancy cars. Well, look at Psalms chapter eighty four verse ten says, For a day in thy courts is better than a thousand. I had rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God to uh, than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and shield, the Lord will give grace and glory, no good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. God will not withhold any good thing from you. Now you might think that a Lamborghini is a good thing, but God may differ in that. God's going to know that it's not going to bring you happiness. You know, if you had that kind of car, you're going to have to have you know an extra garage to keep it in and you're you're going to be worried about it. he knows it's just going to bring you stress god knows what we need and what we want that will bring us happiness better than we do and sometimes there's things that we think we want that we think are good things and god knows different so i'm not going to get up here and say whatever you want if you have godliness with him and god's going to give it to you no there might be some things that he withholds because they're not good but no good thing will he withhold if what you want is actually a good thing, and what you need is actually a good thing, God's not going to withhold it from you. And so, uh, once again, you're going, to, you know, you're going to have to have a little bit of faith there. But God will not withhold any good thing. O Lord of hosts, blessed, which also means happy, blessed is the man that trusteth in Thee. Blessed is the man that trusteth in Thee. We just got to trust the Lord that you know what? I'm just going to practice godliness. I'm going to be content. 
And if God wants me to have those other things, if they actually will make me happy, He'll give them to me. Listen, we've talked for years about going to Disney World one of these days. It hasn't happened yet. But you know what? I know, we know a family that recently took a trip to Disney World and had a miserable time. They did. They were telling my wife about their trip and it was horrible. All they had was terrible things to say. It was a horrible trip. And you know, said, and not a whole lot of godliness going on with this family either. And they had a terrible time. And you know what? If I leave the will of God to make something like that happen, I don't think I'm going to have a good time there either. I think I'll be miserable. And my sister, I think my sister was talking about one time how when they went to Disney World a while back, how there was all these kids there just screaming and being brats and spoiled, and it just made her mad. Like you're on the, you know, supposed to be the most fun place in the world, and you're acting like this. Because you know what? If you're if you're not if you don't have these things. You're not going to enjoy that stuff like you should. But if you uh, if you practice godliness with contentment, if you trust in the Lord, if that's something that will make you happy, if that's a good thing, then God will give that to you. You'll, you will He'll take care of that. You'll have a, Proverbs chapter ten verse twenty two, and this is a great this is a great verse here. Proverbs chapter ten verse twenty two says, "The blessing of the Lord it maketh rich." And then notice the next part, and he addeth no sorrow with it. Okay, and so if you're going to get rich, make sure it comes from the Lord. And if the Lord wants you to be rich, you'll get that by pursuing godliness with contentment and let Him make you rich. And if He makes you rich, no sorrow comes with it. But if you leave the will of God and you just go after riches, you put riches first, you might get the riches, but you're going to get the sorrow that comes with it. And that's why there are some people that do have some riches, and yet you're not going to see them in the bar drunk. They're in the house of God. They raise good families because they got theirs. It came from God. They got it through godliness and contentment. And you know what? They would still be godly and they would still be content even if they weren't rich. Because if it said, God, that's not for everybody. I don't imagine. I don't imagine. I can't even imagine being rich. It's fun to think about sometimes, you know. And uh, so, you know, but at the same time, um, I shouldn't have to have that, and I don't need to have that if I have godliness with contentment. Um, and then, lastly, the thing that everybody wants, everybody's looking for, you'll have peace and security. Psalm thirty-four six says, "This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him and delivereth them. O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in thee." The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him and delivereth him. So we can have all those things that we said in the beginning that people want. Enough to eat, the clothing, just financial security, even the nice things, the you know this you know just the being uh, feeling safe and secure all those things we see in the bible come from godliness with contentment and that's why the bible says godliness with contentment is great gain you really i mean if you gain the nice automobile if you gain a million dollars if you gain bible doesn't call that great gain with that there may be sorrow that comes with it, where you can't enjoy it. But with godliness and contentment, you can actually enjoy the things you have. And that's what people are looking for, is just some of that inner peace. They want that. 
And every bit of those things come from godliness with contentment. You might think, well, I'm godly. You know, I'm doing all the things right. But you know, I still worry all the time. I'm still worried about things. Well, and listen, if you worry, um, you know, I'll rebuke you for it, but I'm not going to, at the same time, I'm not going to tell you that I don't ever do it myself, okay? It's something that we all struggle with sometimes. Worrying is very easy to do. It's never right, but it is very easy to do. And I would be lying if I told you that I've never worried or that I never do worry sometimes. If we're not careful, we will struggle with that. But Matthew, if you struggle with worry, Truth is, you just might not be as godly as you think. Because people, you know, well, I'm godly, I'm godly, but I'm still worried. Well, if you're worried, maybe you're just not as godly as you think. Look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, or yet for your body what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body more than raiment, body than raiment? Behold, the fowls of the air, they sow not, neither do they reap and gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are you not much better than they? You know, there's a lot of birds that are more godly than God's people. And which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they toil not, neither do they spin. Yet I say unto you that Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall He not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? And if we're worried about those things, it's because we're that ye of little faith. And then it says, Wherefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And if many times, the re, you know, when people, a lot of times, the very same people, if you want to know how godly you are, if you want to know your priorities are right, do you worry and obsess as much about whether or not you are living godly and being obedient to all the Scriptures as you do worrying about is God going to provide? Am I going to have enough to eat? Am I going to have the clothes to wear? Okay? If you are worried about godliness as much as you're worried about those things, then you know you can come argue with me and say, I'm not sure this, this works. But you know what? How often do we really worry about that? How often do we really you know, pray and say, Lord, am I in Your will right now? You know, Lord, am I obedient? Lord, are you pleased with what you're seeing in my life? And a lot of times we do pray that prayer, and that's when we're complaining because things aren't going. Lord, what am I doing wrong? And what we're really saying is, Lord, I'm not doing anything. You know, show me because why am I being more blessed right now? I'm so great. You know, but no, sincerely, honestly, how often do we worry about how righteous we are and our priorities? If we're seeking first the kingdom of God, we're not going to be is worried about those other things. And if we're seeking after those things first, the Bible says, and all these things. What things? The food, the raiment, all those things. Those will be added unto you if we'll seek first the kingdom of God. Well, I'm struggling. Well, okay, fine. Maybe you're godly, but you don't have much faith. <laughs> and faith is a part of this. And it said, so this stuff, this godliness with contentment, it is easier said than done. 
It's easy to get up and preach about. It's not always easy to practice it. But I hope through these Scriptures that we looked at, it will help you see just what God was trying to show us. What that deceitfulness of riches. It's fooling people left and right. And it gets people this time of year. And people get miserable. And they get depressed because of the deceitfulness of riches. They're going to see all those, you know, they're going to see the pictures and the things that people post about the great Christmases they had and all the fun stuff they did. People don't post the fights and things. They don't show you their credit card statement on there. They don't do that. Some people, I know some people that do. They put their fights and everything. They put it all on there for everybody to see. But most people don't do that. And people will look at that and they'll get envious. The Bible talked about that in 1 Timothy chapter 6. And they'll think, I need that. I want that. And they go try to pursue what those people have. And you know what? You'll end up getting what they have, but you're going to get all of it. You're going to get, you might get some of the stuff, but you're going to get the misery that comes with it too. That they're not posting online for you to see. And we've got to learn to be able to see through those things and understand just how deceitful it is. And let's not fall for it. If anybody's not going to fall for it, it ought to be us. I mean, children of God, the people that have the Bible, that know what the Bible says, we shouldn't fall for that. And I'm not saying this Christmas, you know, hey, there's nothing wrong with wanting presents and you know trying to find things. But boy, you know what? I hope we're at least above fighting over a TV. I hope we're above stuff like that. You know, I hope we're above you know just feeling sorry for ourselves because you know we didn't you know didn't get a new car for Christmas. Something. I mean, I, I hear what some people get for Christmas sometimes. I'm just like, good night. I, I worked with a guy one time. He was a lonely child and the only grandchild on both sides. And what this guy would get for Christmas, he was the one year. He's like, yeah, I'm probably going to get a new van for Christmas. His parents, his grandparents, are going to buy him a van. It's like, hey, they need any other grandkids. They want to adopt me. <laughs> they want to adopt me. But that's what it was. When his grandma died, he got her house, nice house, a nice neighborhood. They, they just gave it to him. I mean, this guy was spoiled, big time. Just and I was, but you know, and it's easy to get caught up in that and envy that. And you know what? Those things didn't make him happy. And they never have made anybody happy. But godliness with contentment is great gain. So that let's all stand together.